2 Timothy 3.10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And let's all read our theme verse once again. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Heavenly Father, we need your help today. We need your uh, Holy Spirit to guide the preaching of your word. Again, we ask that you would help us not to be thinking about what happened yesterday or even this morning or what we have planned for later today or this week, but that we would be uh, able to understand what you have for us from, the, from these verses as well as, as other places in the Bible, that your word would come alive. It is alive, but that it would come alive in us. And again, that if we're not saved, if someone here is not saved, that today would be the day of their salvation. If someone is discouraged today, that they would be encouraged by the word of God to continue of the things that they have learned and been assured of. Uh, if someone, even in our midst, Lord, uh, is uh, away from you, they're here, but they're away from you, uh, I pray that your, your spirit would draw them back to you even in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. We'll let you be seated. 2 Timothy is the Apostle Paul's last charge to his son in the faith. It was written to Timothy, obviously, as you can see that. But as we know, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. And so it is not just a letter to Timothy, but it is also a letter to, you put your name in the blank there today as well. This is a letter for you. This is a letter for me, and uh, God's word has been preserved and passed on to us. This is the second personal letter, as you see, 2 Timothy. This is the second personal letter that Paul has written uh, to Timothy, and uh, Paul, in my opinion, and I'm sure of many others, probably one of the greatest disciples and followers of Jesus Christ uh, ever. As Paul lies in his cell, a prisoner of the Lord. He's in prison and he's writing this letter. We consider that as we consider the admonition that Paul is giving. Here he is in jail and he's telling Timothy, continue. As he writes from his prison cell, a prisoner of the Lord, Paul is preoccupied still with the future of the gospel. His days are numbered. Soon he's going to see Jesus. He's going to be in heaven for all eternity. But in his last moments and days or months, if you will, of his life, he still has his focus. And, you know, he said it in Philippians, but this one thing I do. And here he writes to Timothy, and you can just try to put yourself in that prison cell. Try to put yourself in his uh, in his position with the pen of ink in his hand. Of course, the Holy Spirit of God is giving him the words to write, 
But uh, the, the passion of the Apostle Paul is clearly seen in this writing as he is saying to Timothy, continue thou. He's about to, to, uh, Paul is about to die, but yet he's challenging this, his disciple. He's challenging his Timothy. And this is why we say, even in 2024, I said almost said 2023, 2024, we might even say, this is my Timothy. We're, we're, this is where we get it from. Someone who we're going through maybe a discipleship program with. And not that someone could ever be Paul and not that someone could ever be Timothy, but the analogy is, is, is very much um, worthwhile making. Paul's mind is still dwelling, however, on the evil times that he's living in. Now think about it. He's living in evil times, but remember that the scriptures, the word of God, are, are always um, within time, if you know what I'm saying. They're always applicable to regardless of whatever generation it is. And we read Paul writing to Timothy, and we could really read this and say, that sounds a lot, if you started it at chapter number three, and you read down through that, we won't today for time, but you could, you could say, well, uh, is, this, is this Paul's day, or is this the uh, Vancouver Times? Because it could be much like today. Timothy is so weak, potentially, and the opposition is so strong. And Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, continue. Continue. Chapter 3 starts off with a series of warnings, as I mentioned a few moments ago, of what it will look like in the last days. In fact, I would say to you, as I've read them uh, hundreds of times, and I don't think that's an exaggeration, that these words of Scripture in verses 1 to 9 are very sobering and very stirring. I won't read them all, but let's look at a couple of words within them, okay? Look at verse 2. It talks about what it will be like, lovers of their own selves. How many of us know that it's very, it's very easy to love ourself? How many of you know that? You're in church now. It's time to be honest. It's very easy to love yourself. We may not raise our hand to that, but our actions will speak louder than our hands are raised. So don't think that this is just about somebody else this morning. You know, a lot of times it's easy to read the Bible and we, we say, oh, I know who that's for. No, it's for you. <laughs> it's for me. This book is not for someone else that you might think of. This is God's book to you. This is God's book to me. Let's be careful how quickly we, we read certain things and we start to think about our neighbor or we start to think about our husband or our wife or we start to think about, uh, you know, the lost world, if you will. And we start to think about, no, let's say, what does God have in this for me? Is there something in my life that I love more than God? It happens so easy. It happens so easy. Covetous. The, the, the other day I was with someone and uh, someone from the church and, and this big, huge monster truck was, was, was there. And I don't know what, I don't know, that thing probably cost, I don't know, more money than, than I'd want to pay on a car. And I looked at that thing and I said, that is an amazing truck. And I said this, now I'm not coveting. <laughs> Maybe I was. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, one press on that pedal, $25, you know, in, in today's fuel economy. And so, uh, but uh, a lot of covetousness. 
boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, kids. Oh, keep moving. Unthankful. Wow, unholy. And on and on it goes. Verse 5 says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of thereof. Mm, from such turn away. And you could keep reading there. Like Timothy, we have been given many things. Timothy was given much, and we've been given much today. We have been given God's gift, God's gift of salvation. In John chapter 3, you have the, one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, if not the most famous, but right after it is verse 17, which says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We've been given salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter number 1, we've also been given a gift after salvation, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 13, if you're able to turn to these, uh, I know I'm going a little bit faster, but uh, to see them is, is better, but if you can't get there in time, I understand. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.13, in whom also in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were, what's that next word? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Just as much as salvation is a gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, as you could see here in this verse, the progression is that after you received the Holy Spirit, you were, or after you received the gift of salvation, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that means, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Satan has no right to you. Demons have no right to you if you're saved. They have no access to you. They can, they can oppress you, but they cannot possess you. Because you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we've been given something else in our text. As the Bible says in verse 16 of our text, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, all scripture. So we've been given the, the gift of salvation. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. We've been given the gift of the scriptures. If you don't have a Bible, you need one. Let us give you a Bible. There is no book like the Bible. And it is not just to take home and sit on the shelf. It's to take home and open every day and let the Bible become a part of your, your every day and your journey of life because it's, it's filled with everything that you'll need. You might have a dark day coming. You might be in the midst of a dark day right now. But I want you to know that the Bible is light. And it will guide you in the darkest day of your life. It will guide you in the darkest week of your life, in the darkest year of your life, in the darkest season of your life. It is light. Let's, let's uh, understand and be more aware of the gift of the Scriptures. And then fourthly, this is all introduction. Fourthly, we have been given Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. I hope that you're, you'll remember these four S's by way of introduction. 
Miss Ross, I'm going to take that boot off today, please. Thank you very much. We've been given salvation. By the way, it starts maybe in this order, maybe not. But are you saved today? Do you know for sure if you took your last breath today that you would be in heaven? By the way, you never know when that's going to be. Could be tonight. Could be 2024. We have no idea of knowing. But we can know this, that heaven is our home. And so we have salvation. We have the Holy Spirit. These are all gifts. We have the scriptures. And then we have Matthew 16, 18. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have the saints, and then you could put beside that the church. Because what is the church? People. The church is saved people. The church is you and me. I like what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47. Acts 2 and 47. I believe it says, And the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. Acts 247b. This is the tip of the iceberg, as we say, in all that God has given us. We are blessed people. Regardless of all that Paul had taught Timothy and all that God has given us, it does not stop our, our enemy. Our enemy is the master distractor. We've been given these things. Yet the enemy's objective and the enemy's goal is for you to think about anything but the fact that you're saved. It's the goal of the enemy to, for you to think about anything but the fact that you have the Holy Spirit that has sealed you. And for the enemy is trying to distract you from being in the Word every day. And the enemy is trying to distract you from building relationships with the family of God and being faithful to the house of God. The distractions are similar, if not the same, as we see in our day. God laid on my heart some time ago this theme of continue, continue, in which everything in this passage is built around, I believe it is a call for Timothy to continue. It is a call for Timothy to abide in what he knows is right. In fact, the Greek word for continue is meno, M-E-N-O, if you want some Greek in your vocabulary. And it, it means abide. The same Greek word is found in another place of Scripture. I'd like you to hold your finger in first John, or 2 Timothy and turn with me toward the back of your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. Continue. The Apostle John is the writer here. He wrote the book of John, the gospel of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he also wrote Revelation. Here we see John writing in 1 John 2.24, the word of God says, Let that therefore abide in you. That word abide is from the same Greek word meno, as continue, let that therefore abide 
or meno in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, notice, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Continue. Abide. The challenge was for Timothy to strongly set himself against the course that others were taking. Now, I am not responsible for any course. Now, in a sense, as an under-shepherd, I'm to guide the flock of God and uh, over, over the which God hath made me an overseer, and you pray for me, please. But I can't, I can lead anybody to water, but you got to drink. You understand that statement? I can lead anybody to bread, but you've got to eat. That's your responsibility. All right? And so... It is my responsibility to lead and guide and protect. And in my, own, in my own Christianity, I need to continue. In my own walk with God, I need to abide. Because there is, a, there is a, always another course. Remember, Satan is just wanting us to divert a little bit off. And then we find that when we get down his road a long way, we're way off course. But at first, it was only such a little bit off. And that's his objective, right? To get us a little bit off course, and, and that little bit becomes a lot down the road. The same challenge is for each of us today. Continue. We see from these verses of Scripture, look at verse number 8. We're going back to our text now. Verse number 8, 2 Timothy chapter 3. A couple of names are listed. Paul says, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. So we see here that in a sense, these were disapproved workers. There were approved workers of God and there were disapproved workers of God. And um, more than likely, these were some of the magicians that replicated the miracles of Moses. Now, we don't have the time today to go back to Exodus chapter 7 and 8, but if you want to do some reading this, this week, you can go back and read Exodus 7 and 8, and you'll find that when Moses did a miracle, some of the magicians replicated the miracle. If you, do you remember that? Those of you that have read a little bit about that? So just because somebody is doing a miracle, hold on now, just because somebody is doing a miracle doesn't mean it's of God. You've got to be very careful. We have to be very wise. We have to continue. He said continue, but before continue, he's warning them. Okay? So not all miraculous power is of God. You remember... What Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, okay, in case you forgot, let's turn to Matthew 7. I might have forgot some of it too. I didn't forget it, but I don't think I could quote it from memory at this point in my journey. Maybe it'll come back to me. Matthew 7. Let's hear what Jesus said. Let's not hear what Pastor Turner's saying, but let's hear what Jesus is saying. 
I hope you'll hear what I'm saying based on Scripture, but the Bible is more powerful than any preacher, okay? Keep that in mind, too. Here's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Well, the, the will of the Father, it's, it's singular, isn't it? What is the will of the Father? Go through the Son. So only, only going through the Son is where we, how we get to heaven. But notice what he says. I, I think we need to be aware of words, right? Notice the first word of 722. What does it say in your Bible? Many. Many. Not few. Many will say to me, to who? Jesus. In that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Remember, all scripture is timeless. It means this is happening today. Have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils? Wow, what a resume. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Notice Jesus said, many are going to say this. And Jesus said, not Pastor Turner. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now that's the words of the Lord. That's not the words of me. That's not the words of anybody in this room. That's the word of the Lord. This was a challenge in Timothy's day. And I might say it's a challenge in our day too. Not everyone that says they are doing works for God are doing works for the one true God. You see, the closer that we get to the return of the Lord Jesus, the more we will hear of people claiming to be of God and doing wonders and miracles. And you can even write it down. Revelation 13, 13 to 15 is another passage you could read about. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted by big claims. Don't get distracted by all of the emotion. There's nothing wrong with emotion. Don't get me wrong. But there's nothing better than truth. It's the best. Let's be emotional about truth, if you want to say it that way. Not even experience. Because I've had people say to me, this is what I experienced. You know what? Let's line that up with Scripture. Anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm digging, I'm digging there, a big ditch. So there will be approved and disapproved work workers. He also tells them there will be dangerous times and dangerous men in the last days. We must continue in the things which we have learned. There will be hardship. There will be persecution. But we must continue in the things we have learned. In John 8, in verse 31, Jesus, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, 
Continue in the word. Then are ye my disciples indeed. It is my prayer that this year, Anchor Baptist Church would be a continuing church, an abiding church, that we would be a group of continuing Christians, but not only that, that we would be a group of continuing disciples, disciplined learners, and sometimes learning is very hard. In fact, it can be very painful, and I'm not talking about physical pain necessarily, but it can be very painful in every way possible. But we must know this. We must know that God is with us. So what must we continue in? I'd like to give you a couple of things to jot down. If you have a pen and could write these down, I want you to uh, make note of them. At least if you, if you got a photographic or a, or a memory that remembers everything you hear, I believe on, on, uh, in, in, in prayer in prayer over this, I believe these three areas that we must continue in are what we will what will set the course for 2024. Now you might say, well, there's probably 50 more. Well, that's true, but I think they might come out of these. That's just me. I've just prayed about it, and this is what the Lord has dr- driven me to uh, in recent days. So number one. We must continue to believe in the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. The word sovereignty is spelled S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y. Sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. What, what, okay, pastor, that's a nice word. What does it mean? It means God is in control of everything. Now, you start to think about that, and you might think about that in your life right now, and you might think, what? (laughs) God is in control of my life? Yes. You see, this is what we must continue in. And we'll see from Scripture why this is the case. I'm not telling you something from me necessarily, but it is all over the Bible that he is in control, and God can be trusted. We must continue in this. I don't know what God has in store for 2024 in your life and in in my life and in the life of this body of believers, but I know one thing. We must continue to believe in the sovereignty of God. Psalm 37, 23. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Did God order these steps? Yes. But notice that the second half of the verse is the one that I have a hard time, and he delighteth in his way. Boy, that's a tough one. This has been this has been ordained by God. This has been ordered by God, but I don't like it. That's not what I'm supposed to say. This has been designed by God. This has been ordered by God. Now, God doesn't design sin, by the way. Don't think that for a minute. But God has given everyone a free will. And so he does not make you do right or your family do right or your friends do right or anybody do right. You have to choose that. It's amazing how the sovereignty of God and the free will of man do mix. 
It's a little beyond my peanut head sometimes, I'll tell you that right now. But I believe it because we find it all through the Scripture. Proverbs 16, 9, the Bible says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God is in control and he can be trusted. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not mine, but ultimately the, 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 your life at this point has God's hand all over it. The fact that you're sitting in a room right now, and this has nothing to do with me or the church in a, in, a, in, a, in a general in a general statement, but the fact that we're all sitting in this room in a in a land of freedom, and we have a Bible here before us, and you have a Bible in your hand today, and you have a Bible at home, and you have a Bible on your phone, and you have a Bible on your computer, and. We are inundated with the word of God. It, it just once again shows us how much God loves us and God is in control of all of this, even with everything that we may not necessarily see the benefits of it at this point. And yet all things work together for good to them that love God according to his purpose. Proverbs 3 and verse 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Who do you want directing your path? I want God directing my path. Now I say that, but it doesn't always look very good when he does it. But it will work together for good. I have a Bible promise, and so do you. I was sharing this with someone yesterday about the sovereignty of God. Maybe you know a little bit about the life of Corey Tinboom. Corey Tinboom grew up in Holland. She, her family are Dutch. They grew up during World War II. Um, World War II, World War One, Two, and uh, they were hiding. They were hiding Jews from the Nazis. Eventually, they were found out, and Corey and her sister were taken as prisoners, and they were at the death camps. Her sister would die there eventually, but they were in Building 28, and Building 28 was supposed to house 100, maybe, maybe 200 individuals, and it was packed with close to 1,000. Five people per bed, people on the floors, all over the place, just a mess. They had one Bible that they had smuggled in, and they were able to use that Bible to be a blessing to those that were in this uh, building. Now, I, I don't know if you've read anything about all of that, but the atrocities are beyond description. I won't go into that. But on top of that, their building was infested 
with fleas. How many of you ever, your critters have ever had fleas, or maybe their fleas have found their way to you? <laughs> okay. Yeah, everybody's going to be scratching now the rest of the sermon. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's kind of a mental thing, right? You hear fleas, you hear something, and you just, anyway. It's okay. If you scratch, I, I won't bother me. Anyway, and so Corey writes in one of her books, God, building 28 is bad enough. God, why fleas too? One day it dawned on them that no guards were coming into their building. One day it dawned on them that no, no inspections were being done inside their building. They were outside the building one day talking to one of the inspectors and uh, talking about it. And the inspector said, well, of course, we're not going in there. And it dawned on Corey that in the sovereignty of God, he allowed those fleas to be in there so that they could minister freely with the word of God to all those other ladies. I think it was a whole house full, house full of ladies, if I remember right, and young children. And she said, I was so thankful from that day forward for the fleas. Now, I don't know what that represents in your life. But I know it represents something in probably all of our lives. That we would just like to say, if I could just get rid of the fleas. You know, maybe the fleas are there in your life and mine. Because of another greater purpose. That we just can't quite see. And we just have to ask the Lord. Lord, would you give me the patience and would you give me the, the long-suffering or the, uh, would you give me uh, whatever it takes, Lord, that I would not be angry at the fleas. And instead, I would say, thank you. Thank you for the fleas. The sovereignty of God is something that we must continue to believe in because he is worth he is worthy of our complete trust secondly would you turn with me to 1st Thessalonians it's just a few pages toward the front of your bible 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 we must continue to believe in the sovereignty of God secondly we must continue in, must continue in the sanctification process of God. We must continue, number two, in the sanctification process of God. Church, this is, this is just from my heart. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't really know if it's coming out. I think it's coming out as God would want. I'm praying that way. A little bit of stuttering, but I think you can get past all that. I am, as much as I can say it, I really believe that if we'll take a look at these three things for 2024 and build on these, we'll see, we'll see the greatest year of our walk with God than any other year we've ever had. Otherwise, I wouldn't be giving it to you, but... 
1 Thessalonians 4.3, and I'm only giving you what God's already given us. So, For this is the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Sanctification. God has a plan for my life and yours. He wants us not only to be saved and in heaven, but in the meantime, he wants us to be more like his son. The process of sanctification is making you and me look, act, think more like Christ. Because you see, when God saved you and when God saved me, what were we? Sinners. Sinners. Selfish. Fleshly. I mean, we're still, we're still those things in a sense, but we had no Holy Spirit in us. <clears throat> and God lifted us up out of the miry clay and set our feet on a solid rock. I mean, we could care less about anything about the things of the Lord. And so when we got saved, he pulled us up out of all that. And now the work of sanctification begins from the inside out that we would become a walking billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would become a walking sign that says, I, I'm a Christian. Not, don't look at me, but look at Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the process that begins the very nanosecond that you say yes to Christ to be saved. That process begins. Salvation is a moment. Sanctification is a process. Salvation is a, a, a moment, a decision that we make. Sanctification is a lifetime. Salvation is all of Jesus. Sanctification is also all of Jesus. Salvation is us saying yes to Christ. Yes to God. The gift of God is eternal life, right? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sanctification is us saying yes to the Spirit. When you got saved, you said yes to God. We could, we could technically say you said yes to the Spirit as well. But God, the Bible verbiage is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so you said yes to God's gift. Then every day now that you live your life, you're still saying yes to God, but you're saying yes to God in the Spirit of God. That's sanctification. The more I say yes to the Spirit, the more like Christ I am becoming. The more you say yes to the Spirit and no to the flesh. See, before you got saved, you had no ability and I had no ability to say no to the flesh. No power at all. Because that flesh is so strong. But the minute you got saved, the second you got saved, you had in you. You didn't have to wait till you got baptized because that's not part of salvation. You didn't have to wait till you got discipled. That's important to be discipled. I believe in all that. We do that here. We want to do it more. But the very moment you got saved, someone came inside of you in the spirit of God. And immediately you would have the same power as someone who's been saved for 50 years to say no to the flesh. When the flesh said, think this dirty thought, watch this dirty movie, do this, do that, do this, do that, fear, you know, all these things that you could say immediately because you have the Spirit of God in you. You could say, no, I'm not thinking that way anymore. I, I, I've got the Spirit of God in me, and I'm going to think about the fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh anymore. 
Turn quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you for listening. I trust that God's Spirit is speaking to you. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. And I can't do that for you, but Christ is ready to save you. Someone, we had people get saved last Sunday. We had a note this week from someone in another country who found our information online and got saved because of the preaching of the word of God. And so that can be your testimony today as well. Second Corinthians chapter number five, the Bible says in verse number 14, second Corinthians 5, 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. It compels us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15. And he, and that, and that he died for all, that they which live, that's speaking about people who have identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. They've been saved. That's me. That's you if you're saved. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. So when I get saved, I'm saying, no, I'm saying, okay, I'm now on my way to heaven, and so now I'm not going to live my life how I want to live my life. I'm not going to live my life in the way I want to, what I want to do. That means if God wants me to be a missionary, uh, then I should surrender to be a missionary. If God wants me uh, to be this, whatever this is, uh, then I, I need to surrender to that. If God wants me uh, to just fill in the blank, it, because it's not about what I want to do anymore. Now, don't think for a minute that God's going to have you go doing something that you have no desire to do. I believe that God has equipped you with a, with a gift or more than one gift, uh, gifts of the Spirit when we got saved. But also God has equipped you for who you are, and God is sovereign, remember? Let's not forget about that. And so, uh, anyway, it, it doesn't mean that God's going to push you into something. I believe God would equip you for it. But notice what he says. Let's just keep moving here should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I would mark that in my Bible. How am I to live my life after I become a Christian? I'm to live my life for the one who died for me and rose again for me. There's only one person that fits that billing. There's only one individual that makes that description. And it's not me. It's not my beautiful wife. It's not our three children. It means I'm not to live my life for her. I'm not to live my life for my three kids, our three kids, or for my grandson, or for any of you. I'm to live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. After we get saved, that's part of the process that's taking place. God is saying, you need, you're going to live your life for the one who loved you and, and gave himself for you. That's how we should live. Henceforth, meaning from that point onward. But you know what? It's an easy verse to read, but it's not an easy verse to live. It's an easy verse to preach, maybe, and, you know, hey, let's do it. But you know what? Monday morning's coming. Yeah. Sunday afternoon's coming, for that matter, you know. <laughs> The old devil doesn't wait sometimes. He just pounces on us, doesn't he? And that he died for all. 
They which live. Oh, I'm glad I'm alive today. And by the way, that's not just talking about physical life. That's talking about eternal life. I have eternal life right now. Right now. I don't get it when I die. I already got it. I'm never going to die. My spirit's never going to die. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. This old body's going to die unless the Lord returns. But not what Christ saved. It's alive forevermore. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Uh, the sanctification process, he desires to make us more like Christ. Salvation is possible because of God's love for us. Sanctification comes through the love we have for Christ. We no longer want to live for ourselves, but for the one who died for us. Now, Satan wants this process of sanctification to cease and desist in your life wherever it's at today. Now, when you're saved, can Satan do anything about that? No, he can't. Because remember, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so Satan's goal is to keep you from growing and keep me from growing in the Lord. That is his objective. Satan's plan is for us to not involve ourselves in the reading, study, memorizing, and meditating of the Word of God. That's his goal. He will put anything else, and even good things, even good things for you to do and for me to do to get us out of the Bible. And then we get to the end of the day, we're too pooped to pucker. Think about that one. Oh, I haven't read my Bible. I'm so tired. Because his objective is to keep you out of the Bible. Keep me out of the Bible. Oh, but I went to church on Sunday. No, 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 no. Great, that's part of it. But God wants to meet you every day. God wants to meet me every day. And I will say this until I have breath. Your spiritual growth will be measured by your relationship with the Word of God. Period. My spiritual growth is measured by my relationship with the Word of God. No Bible, no growth. Little Bible, little growth. And you get the point. How much do you want to grow? Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Because this is powerful. Beyond anybody's pens. This book talks about how powerful it is. Satan's plan for us is to keep us out of church in 2024 as much as possible. Now, you just said, Pastor, just read the Bible. Well, when you read the Bible, you're going to find that the Bible tells you to be in church. When you read the Bible, the Bible says to be in church. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And also, a love for the brethren. We, we gather together because we want to honor the Lord, but we also love one another. 
So it's, it's Satan's objective is to keep us out of church as much as possible. I'm not talking about when you're ill and all of that. I'm talking about when we make a conscious decision. I'm just not going back Sunday night because. Because why? Why? Satan will give you the reasons, by the way. You say, no, they're, they're good reasons. Okay, that's between you and the Lord. But I'll tell you this. Satan's plan for you and for me. Keep us out of this book. Keep us out of God's house. Satan's plan for you and for me is to not speak to anyone about Christ. He's got that plan for us. Don't speak to anyone about Christ. Don't give out a gospel track. Don't do it. That's Satan's objective. By the way, if you need gospel tracks, they're right outside this door. They're right outside that door. Satan's goal is for us. See, the sanctification process Here's, here's, here's the sanctification process. God loved me and saved me. I love Christ. Therefore, I want others to know about Christ. So I'm going to at least hand out gospel tracts as God gives me opportunities. But Satan's goal is to keep every one of these here at the office or in your pocket or mine. See, that's part of the sanctification process is saying no to the flesh saying yes to the Spirit. I kind of got ahead of myself there a little bit. Continue to believe in the sovereignty of God, number one. Number two, continue in the sanctification process. I think a sub-theme for 2024 could be more like the Master in 2024. That's part of the sanctification process. And then number three, and we kind of just, we just started this. We just started into this about talking about the gospel. Number three, continue to tell others about your Savior. Continue to tell others about your Savior. Three things. Let's build on these in 2024. Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature needs a preacher. Go with the gospel. Go with the gospel. Sow the gospel this year like you've never sown it before. Set a goal. I don't know what the goal is. One a day, two a day, five, you know, seven a week, something. Set a goal. God, I want, to, uh, I want to continue in this telling others about your Savior. David Livingston said this, and I really had to think about this one for a long time. Missionary David Livingston said, Christ alone can save the world, but Christ cannot save the world alone. I read that and I thought, wait a minute. Christ alone can save the world, but Christ alone, but Christ cannot save the world alone. He's not here, Miss Ross. Now he's, his spirit is here in you and me. You know what he needs? He needs my voice. He needs your voice to give the gospel. Hudson Taylor said the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Now here's something that I'm, I'm, still, I'm still working on with the Lord's help every day. Think, think about this. We will be faithful to tell others of Christ if and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
we will be faithful to tell others of Christ if and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. There are two key words there that God brought to my attention. They are the word faithful and the word filled. The reason why I'm not faithful to speak of Christ is because I'm not filled with the Spirit. If you and I are filled with the Spirit, He will, through His power, through His leading, help us all. We don't have to depend on ourselves. What I'm saying is we don't have to depend on ourselves to, be, to continue to tell others about the Savior. We are leaning on the Spirit Here's a thought. It is imperative that we are dependent on the Holy Spirit of God when we are speaking about Jesus. He is the power for the hour. There is no way I can be faithful without the Spirit. When I'm leaning on Ben, I'm not going to be faithful. But when I'm leaning on the Spirit, and I'm not talking about just in the area of witnessing, the Spirit of God within us helps us to continue to tell others of the good news of God's gift of salvation. <clears throat> we, must, we must lean on the Spirit. It is the Spirit of God within us who will prompt us to speak about the Lord, will prompt us to give the tract to someone, will prompt us to invite someone to church. Dr. Rick Flanders said this. We had him here right before covid if you were coming to Anchor in 2020, in January, you heard Dr. Rick Flanders preach, and he did a tremendous job, greatly helped by it. He said this, Christians are defeated in the area of soul winning, but they need not be. The Holy Spirit is in us to work through us in the all-important work of witnessing and bringing people to Jesus. When we witness in the work, excuse me, when we witness in dependence on the Holy Spirit, we experience His soul-saving power. The key is not just being a witness, it's being a spirit-filled witness. And in 2024, what greater what greater ministry to continue in or maybe to begin is the ministry of being a witness, not in the power of the, of the head knowledge, but in the power of the Spirit of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit is real, okay? The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in me. He is that seal, but he does a lot more than that. And wants to do so much more. Not everyone will be saved, Brother Flanders said. But many will be if we work at the business of winning people while consciously relying on the Spirit to convict and draw them to the Lord. That is not our responsibility, but it is our responsibility to go with the gospel in the power of the Spirit of God. Paul writes to Timothy, The last time he's writing to him. But continue thou. But continue thou. I believe that applies to Timothy. But I believe the 
the thou in that verse can apply to Ben Turner. You can put your name in there. But continue, Andrew, in the things which thou hast learned. But continue, Romeo, in the things which thou hast learned. But continue, Medi, in the things which thou hast learned. But continue, Grace, in the things which thou hast learned. And I could go down and name every one of you today. And that's what God is doing. God is not just saying this to Timothy, or from Paul to Timothy, but this is a note from the Holy Spirit to Anchor Baptist Church, which is comprised of individuals. Continue thou. Continue thou to believe in the sovereignty of God. Now, I will tell you, that will be tested. Don't think that's going to be an easy one. Oh, yes, I believe in the sovereignty of God. No problem. Don't say that too loud. (laughs) Satan can't read your mind, but Satan can hear what you're saying. Seriously, be careful. (laughs) But what I do believe in the sovereignty of God, I do believe God is in control and can be trusted. Continue to allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify you and me. Don't get out of the the process. Don't get out of your Bible. Don't get out of church. Don't get out of it. Stay in it. The potter has you in his hand. He's making something new. Maybe he's got to break it a little bit in 2024 and remake it, but he loves you. It's It's from the loving hands of God. Continue to tell others about your Savior. If you don't tell them, who will? My wife had a beautiful, a beautiful meeting yesterday at the Save On part at the Save On uh, grocery store. She had was it this one here? She handed the cashier who she didn't know, didn't think she knew. She handed the cashier a, 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 a track, and I don't know what she said, some verses in there for you to read. Or, but the cashier had enough time to turn it over. Obviously, the anchor's pretty prevalent on this one. And she said, oh, Anchor Baptist Church, I used to go there. She said, and I, I'm probably miswording it a little bit, but the principle is there. She said, yeah, my dad and I used to go there. In fact, my dad got baptized there. And I don't know that she recognized or remembered my wife because it was 2014. My wife got the name, and, and I won't mention the name because we're online, and it doesn't matter at this point. But uh, I, I got, pulled, my, pulled up good old Gmail, you know, Gmail. I love Gmail, and I just typed in a couple of names, and boom, I had an email that I had sent to her dad. Her dad has since lives in a different part of... BC, and I did email him yesterday, and I don't, haven't heard back from him yet. I hope, hope he'll write me back, but he doesn't live in, in this area anymore. She was a young girl when she attended back then, and now she's probably in her early 20s, I would say. Just guessing. 2014, that's nine years ago. Yeah, she's probably maybe a late teen, early 20s. And she said, she said, oh yeah, Ben Turner. I'm only saying that. Because there's been quite a few numbers of times since 2014 
where Satan said to me, why don't you just pack it in? It's not worth it. Why don't you just do something else? Why don't you just go to do this? Why don't you go back to the States? Why don't you... About nine years ago, so I don't know how many times. I'm not saying this about the name of Ben Turner, but that young girl, she saw Anchor Baptist Church. She said, yeah, Ben Turner, the pastor. And you know, when my wife said that to me, it kind of just sent a little bit of a shiver a holy shiver. It's not time to it's not time to quit. It's not time to put the Bible down. It's not time to stop singing about how good God is. It's not time to stop giving the gospel out. It's not time. Now God changes our course of life sometimes. I'm not saying God doesn't do that. He does that. But I'll tell you what, church, 2024 Can we, can, we, can we listen to those words? Can we read those words? But continue thou. Our God is worthy of our isn't about the church or the pastor or you. It's about our God. He's worthy. Continue thou. I encourage you, church, these three areas to pray over them in your life. Then pray over them in the church. But it's first thou. Thou is you. And thou is me. So, first, pray about it in your life. And then, let's pray about it as a church.